What's up, world? Welcome to a new episode of the Brian Janu Show. As you know, I am Brian Janu. And tonight's episode is my new series, I Bleed Sports, man. So much was going on this past weekend that I'm going to get into, but also so much is going on this upcoming weekend that I'm also going to get into. So uh, let's get into it, man. Like, before I get into it, man, I got to say it like this. On all podcast platforms, it's the Brand Your News Show. Uh, social media platforms like Instagram, TikTok, uh, Threads, Facebook, Twitter. But Twitter doesn't have the Brand Your News Show moniker. Just BJNU31, I think, on X. I think that's what they call it now. X, but Twitter. Uh, I'm on there, too. Um, and, of course, like always, man. We really could find it, man. Really can find me is um YouTube channel, Brandon Janu Show. I really forgot that shit for a second. I ain't gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what is it? Um YouTube channel, Brandon Janu Show. That's how you know you've been doing it too long, because usually you be like, yeah, da, 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 da. I boil out oh, Jesus. Um <laughs> like I said, tonight is uh I bleed sports man uh like i said this past week it was crazy this upcoming week i'm talking about it all uh but let's get into it so first things first man today is officially the wild card of baseball the wild card series have kicked off uh today um crazy 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 games uh i want to say well, I know Texas beat um, t- uh, Tampa, and they're playing in Tampa. Tampa, who, uh, who uh, lost the AL East to the Baltimore Orioles, who I think is the number one seed in the AL. Um, so, yeah, and the Texas Rangers, who <laughs> – the Texas Rangers – this is the funniest thing about the Texas Rangers situation, right? The Texas Rangers had the lead in the AL West for probably uh, – what, what I saw it for, like 190 days or some shit. They had the lead as the AL West division winners, leaders. And then the Houston Astros literally had the lead for the, in the AL West for 24 days. And you want to – and the crazy thing is, is the Houston Astros is the team that actually ends up winning the AL West. They are not a two-seed, and they are at home watching this shit while the Texas Rangers went to Tampa today beat the living hell out of Tampa, but they went to Tampa and had to play the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa. It's such a crazy thing, but, um, you know, Tampa Bay took the first game, um, you know, Tampa Bay took the first game of that series. I want to say Minnesota, because last time I was watching it, Minnesota was up uh, in that game. Um, So, yeah, uh, but... This is a crazy day, man. Um, I'm not even going to lie, man. It's crazy um, that, you know, this is the situation at hand. But, yeah, man, it's a it's a crazy thing. And right now, the Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Bucks are uh, – the Milwaukee Bucks. Lord Jesus, that's what I'm about to go into. But the Milwaukee Brewers are playing right now in their first game in Milwaukee, who – Milwaukee, who won the NL Central, uh, is playing against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. And the game right now is 3-3, uh, bottom of the third. Milwaukee has got bases loaded and two outs against them. So, yeah, it's a pretty interesting thing. And, of course, Miami is playing Philly, and they are both in the AL East. So, uh, neither one of them could catch Atlanta. 
So that makes sense. But um, and like I said, I didn't know how the new playoff situation was going to go. So I'm assuming uh, the third team in the in the in the, the third division of winner is going to play the six seed, which is the last real wild card team in. So that's pretty cool to see how that plays out. Then the two first seeds are going to get by. That's pretty dope. I like that. I think that's a pretty good dope thing because at least um, it isn't just a team sitting out. Of, I think the last couple of years has been like one team that sat out of some shit like that. It was, it was kind of crazy. It's like you have one wild card game, the wild card teams are playing in, they just play the one seed, and then the two and three will play each other, and then the one and four will play each other. So I like this. I, like, I actually think it's a pretty smart idea. And then you still have three ser- three games, and it's the best of three, which is really dope because, you know, it's only it's, you have to win now. Like, it's, it's, that's a, it puts the pressure on right now, which can be interesting, especially going into the playoffs, especially baseball, because baseball is not as – baseball is a very interesting game because it's more of a – uh, predicated of, of like who gets hot first, who could get hot. And I think that if whoever gets out the wild card and they smoke, like right now Texas smoked the Tampa Bay Rays, and if they smoke them tomorrow, if I'm in, I'm there four or five, so they're going to probably pretty much play depending on what happens in the, the Minnesota ta- uh, Toronto series, if Toronto could win that series, but Depending on that situation, if I'm the Orioles and Texas beats the Rays and walks out that series, so I'm assuming it, it goes like college, it goes like um, you know, the lower seed plays the one like like football. The lower seed plays the one seed, and you know, the top seed plays the second. The the lower seed plays the one, and the bet and higher seed plays the two. So I'm assuming that's how it goes. But um. But, yeah, I mean, if that's how it goes, uh, that's a pretty cool way of doing baseball. But if you're the goddamn, you know, you know, the Baltimore Orioles and you just see Texas just smoke, <laughs> you just saw Texas just smoke um, the Tampa Bay Rays in two straight games, boom, boom, and then you got to play them in the first, like, I'd be like, man, I want to play these motherfuckers. Are you kidding me? Like, like are you kidding me right now? And, ta- and Toronto really didn't put up much of a fight against uh, Minnesota, but I think Houston could get Tor- uh, Minnesota. Um, I don't really have that much faith in Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, if I'm Baltimore and I know Texas is coming to us, what possibly the, the, the allure of Max Schozer maybe coming back and playing in this playoff too? I don't want that. <laughs> I don't need that drama in my life. I don't need that drama, man. When it comes to the NL um, – The Braves are such a good team. I don't know if anybody could beat the Braves. I know people say the Dodgers, but the Dodgers in the playoffs, and that's usually when they had that most collapses is in the playoffs. So whoever wins those two series and they play the Dodgers, good luck. I don't know, like, like, but the Braves, I feel like if the Braves are playing like the Diamondbacks or let's say ever a Milwaukee or like something, like if they play somebody like that, man, I trust uh, – I trust uh, the Braves to get out of that. They're playing like Philly and Miami. That's a little different. I, I would have to say that's a little different um, because that's the divisional games. Now you're playing the playoffs. And like the Miami-Philly series right now, it's a divisional series. Like that's a divisional game where, you know, we played literally like two weeks ago and we know exactly what the fuck you're going to try to do in this postseason. So 
it's pretty cool, man. I'm looking forward to this, this MLB postseason. Um, it's going to be pretty dope, man. Like I said, tomorrow they still got, they got game two of each of these series. Tomorrow, um, it, it, it started at like 2 o'clock here in Houston. Uh, so today, so hopefully probably tomorrow will be the same. So I'm looking forward to this, man. It's going to be a pretty cool, dope postseason for, for MLB. Um, Saturday night was the big fight, Canelo Alvarez versus Jamel Charlo. Uh, me and my brother Juan talked about it today on our show, Jack's Wild uh, Sports Recap, Weekend Recap Show. Um, I really didn't have too much about the fight. I mean, the, the fight was... I think Jamel Charlo bit off a little bit more than he could fucking chew. And he he went up, you know, two weight classes. He fought a guy in Canelo who was motivated by people telling him that he's getting old and he's not motivated and, you know, I don't think you're ready. And he he beat the living shit out of him. Um, I don't look at Jamel Charlo more so than I look at Derek James. Derek James, the trainer of Jamel Charlo, now has had three big fights in the last couple of months where you could not literally train these guys. These are three big fights that you didn't have, three opportunities that you didn't have. Felton, who was a champion, Stefan Felton, who went to uh, Japan and got his ass destroyed uh, by the Nightmare in that match. He never had a chance. Nightmare beat the shit out of him. You never had a chance in that fight. You didn't show up in that matchup. And then on top of that, and then literally that weekend, that was on a Tuesday in the morning. Then that weekend, um, Spence lost to Crawford and lost in an embarrassing way. And that is the second time. And this is the third time you didn't have a big fight where you're supposed to out train, out, you know, have something set in stone. And you didn't do it. <laughs> like, like Charlo didn't even have a chance. The game plan was incredibly bad. I remember um, me and my brother and my dad was in a group chat. And um, I, I group chat, you know, and we was, we was just talking about some things. And, and, and I'm like, this is a terrible fucking game plan. Like, this is this was god awful. Like, the fact that that the game plan literally was like trying to box Canelo. Like that was a terrible game plan. You can never beat Canelo off of points. You have to, the only way you beat Canelo off of points is if you physically manhandle him. And the fact of the matter is he was taking a, well, I can't say he was taking the punches because you can see it. He was taking the body punches and the body punches was fucking him up a little bit. But if you're going to lean on somebody, you're going to time out because that's pretty much why he kept the weight on. So he could take those punches in the body and all these things. But the game plan was terrible. He got some shots in, but he just never could really execute whatever the fuck the game plan was. And that was a terrible game plan. I don't know what the fuck that was. That was a god awful game plan. Um, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of that game plan. <laughs> that shit was terrible. Um, so yeah, I mean that fight was 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 wasn't good. It wasn't a good fight. Crawford has, Terrence Crawford has every right to pretty much shit on uh, Charlo for that shit. That was a terrible fucking fight. Like, you didn't show up. He at least, not, did, not only did Crawford show the fuck up, he dominated that fight. And, you know, and, and, and it doesn't even help it. It doesn't make it even better, any better 
when literally on YouTube, there's a the, you when they're at the fight and they're doing the you the you know the Showtime after the fight was going on at, during the fight and everything. And Crawford literally runs over to you at the as he's beating Errol Spence's ass, runs over to you, sees you in the crowd, and say, "Nigga, you next." <laughs> he, he, he literally said, "Nigga, you next." This gonna be you. This you you, you next. <laughs> and you like, I don't know what the fuck you talking about, nigga. I got Cordello coming up next. I ain't worried about him. And, nigga. <laughs> you, you, you might wanna be. You might fucking wanna be. And then after the fact, you was like, yo, I still fight Terrence Crawford. Let's let's fight. And I'm like, I don't I don't think you want them problems, kid. I don't I don't think you want them problems, kid. Yeah, was Charlo a little bit overweight? Yeah. Chitty probably had dropped some pounds before the fight. Yeah. But this is a this is I'm still not ready to be like, yo, Canelo's great. Like Canelo beat him because maybe Cholo thought too much coming into the fight. I don't know. On top of this, this wasn't the person he was supposed to fight. And this isn't even the twin that he was supposed to fight. He wasn't even supposed to fight Jamel. He was supposed to fight Jamal. And he didn't even get him. He fought Jamel Charlo. He didn't even fight Jamel Charlo. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think if he fought him, maybe it'd be a different conversation. But, yeah, this was a, this was a bad fight. That was a terrible fucking fight. It didn't, it, it was a, that was a god-awful fight. I, I, I watched it for free, and I felt like I still got cheated out of some money. <laughs> I watched that fight for free, and I still felt like I got cheated out of some money. So, yeah. Um, the NBA is on its way back. Let's get into this, man. The NBA is on its way back, and boy, oh boy, is it back, back. So, last week, I think I was talking about Dame going to Toronto. And I could have sworn, even on here, I said, I would not be surprised if Dame let it goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, <laughs> Well, I was right. I was completely fucking right. Dame Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck. A three-team trade. Dame goes to Milwaukee. Uh, Portland gets uh, DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns. Um, and some other pieces. Uh, they got Drew Holiday, which they also flipped, which I will talk about in that trade. Um, but they got Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton. And in that trade, Phoenix Suns got a lot of bench depth. They got a lot of help. Grayson Allen, um, Grayson Allen. They got some other people I can't remember. But um, a great trade, man. It was a good trade for everybody involved. Uh, Portland got Dame out the city, which was a good thing. But when you hear the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers literally say, uh, Dame literally told the Portland Trailblazers general manager, listen, if you can't trade me to Miami, where I actually really want to go, let's at least have a good relationship because I want to come back and play for the Portland Trailblazers. And the general manager literally told Dame Litter, the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time, we're too far away. We're too away from that now. You can't come back to Portland. You can't play for us. This is the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time. And you literally just told this man, we're too, we're, we're too attached now from this situation. You can't come back and play for us. So we have to trade you. But yet, you have not even tried to communicate with any fucking 
body to get this man an opportunity to go somewhere else. But yet you have the nerve. <laughs> you have the audacity to tell this man. We're looking for a trade partner, but we're not really trying to trade you. But yet, you can't come back to Portland. The fuck? Disrespectful as fuck. It's, it's so bad. Dane was the big piece of this trade, clearly. Uh, but like I said, it was moving pieces all around. Um, Dame going to Milwaukee. Uh, me and my brother Juan, and we talked about this uh, today um, and how I felt about it. I really didn't speak on it that much. Um, and this is how I feel about it, man. I got to see how Milwaukee plays. I hate these, these, this analyst shit where Dame goes to Milwaukee and Giannis is still there. Oh, my God, they're NBA championship team. I've seen more teams that y'all have called championship teams play with each other and immediately hate each other. They despise each other by the fucking all-star break because it just doesn't work. Somebody doesn't fit somewhere. This person wants to lower manage. This person don't play defense, but this person don't shoot. <laughs> like, 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 the fuck are you talking about? I got to see how this plays out. I think Dame is going to be highly motivated to win a championship. I think Giannis is going to be highly motivated to probably get him that championship. I think Milwaukee is going to be highly motivated to try to keep Giannis in Milwaukee. I expect them to be great. I don't expect them to be great quickly, but I expect them to be great soon. I expect them to be great by the mid midway point. I'll say probably all-star break or probably pass all-star break. I expect Milwaukee to be really fucking good. One thing I will also say is this. I said it this morning on my brother, like I said, it's on my brother Wine's uh, page, All Sports Talk. I said here, if I was Milwaukee, I would trade Chris Middleton. The reason why I would trade Chris Middleton is because, you know, I would trade Chris Middleton or Bobby Portis. I would trade one of those guys to get bench depth because now you need it. And on top of that, I will get a 3-and-D player. I will get another 3-and-D player because as much as Chris Middleton, a lot of people sit here and scream, Chris Middleton is great. And Chris, Chris Middleton for the last two years has been injured. That's why Milwaukee has not been great. And now you have a guy in Dame that pretty much does what Chris Middleton does. He's a spot-up shooter. He's a 3-and-D guy. Dame can play defense. I know a lot of people don't think he can, but he plays defense. And now you have a guy that is a 30-point-a-night score with a Giannis Antetokounmpo who is a 30-point-a-night score. You don't need this much team. Like, you need guys on this team now that's really good in the perimeter and that can shoot the ball, but also help Dame on the back end. And I don't think Chris Middleton, who's getting older, who's been showing you he's getting injured more, I don't know if Chris Middleton fits this fucking team. I just don't. Now, where do you trade him to is a whole nother conversation. I say him or Bobby Portis because at the end of the day, Dame is going to be the point guard. What, Chris is going to be the shooting guard? Giannis is going to be the small for it? Bobby Portis is going to be the power for it? And Brooks is going to be – I would just trade one of those two and get something. Now, where do you trade him to? I've been having a problem with that. I'm not even going to lie. Now, me personally, I would go to, I would flip them. I would flip them and see if, like, a young team that maybe has the pieces but just doesn't have that veteran presence to really push them, 
like, like Sacramento. If I was Sacramento, I would trade. I would see how really committed to Malik Monk and Malik Monk and um, and some of their bench players that played last year in the postseason. I would see how committed, uh, like um. Uh, I think they got the. I think they are the ones with the guard from Baylor a couple of years ago, Devontae Mitchell. I would see if I could get Mitchell and Malik Monk for Chris Middleton and a couple picks. I would flip it because then you will have a shooting guard. You can move Giannis back to power forward or small forward, whatever you want to do. You will have a true shooting guard, and then you will have a point guard that can come off the bench and help Dame Lillard out, but also has the speed and the ability to actually help that backcourt. Or you could flip him. You could flip Chris Middleton to Atlanta. You could flip him to Atlanta and see if you can get uh um some depth from Atlanta. Maybe I mean you're not gonna Atlanta's not gonna trade um you know Deontay Murray or Trey Young. That's not happening. But they will trade some pieces. Atlanta is going to be starting to be your rebuild team. And maybe you need bench depth. Chris Middleton is a play a piece that you can flip. But maybe you get, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of who Atlanta could get with them. That I, I know that. Uh, I'm trying to think who Atlanta has. Because they got rid of John Collins, which is, was kind of a piece that they needed to get rid of. And he traded them to Utah. But yeah, Chris Middleton. I can see Chris Middleton get traded to Atlanta. Um, yeah, Atlanta. That's some teams you could flip them to. You could flip Chris Middleton to some teams, man, and get something. San Antonio, maybe even like they need veteran presence, and you need somebody that can help uh, Victor Victor out a lot. Somebody that already has played with a guy like a Victor who has that ability but just don't know how to hone it in just yet, San Antonio. That's a perfect place. And they got some young guards and some young players over there that you can definitely get and you can actually bring into Milwaukee. They don't need to be great right away. They just need to be there. So, And they can learn from Dame and Giannis. So there's some places you can flip Chris Middleton to. Bobby Porter's on the other hand, I don't know where you flip him to. I don't really know where you flip him to. Maybe you flip him. Uh, maybe you you flip him. Uh, same places. I think Atlanta. Atlanta's going to need some depth. Because Clint Capella can only do so much. Um, you know, Minnesota, which, you know, Minnesota is always a place you can flip anybody to. Um, <laughs> um, Washington, because Washington's trying to rebuild with Jordan Poole, and you could probably bring him in, but them think it's going to be probably rolling in the next two months, um, <laughs> just fighting each other. But, yeah, man, I just – I think – there's places you can flip these two guys, these two guys too. Now, like I said, Portland got Drew Holiday, which they flipped. Uh, for the Portland side, DeAndre Ayton, uh, they got, like I said, they flipped Drew Holiday to Boston, and they got Robert Williams and, Ma- and Malcolm Brogdon. Now, I can easily see, you know, them flipping Robert Woods. Uh, Robert Williams. I could easily see them flipping Robert Williams 
Uh, but the lack, but the problem with DeAndre Ayton has always been he he kind of tunes out, kind of tunes out, and you cannot have a guy like DeAndre Ayton being your starting center, and then he tunes the fuck out. Like that just isn't gonna work. And I like Chauncey Billups too much as a player and as a head coach for him to just get DeAndre Ayton and then try to figure out what the fuck it is. Like, so I. I I probably would keep Robert Robert Williams. Like I would probably keep Robert Williams. I would. I would keep Robert Williams, and then the Malcolm Brogdon situation. I would keep Malcolm Brogdon too. Even though you could probably flip him, I would keep Malcolm Brogdon too because as much as Scoot Henderson is a hell of a scorer, I don't know if he's ready to be a defender. And I think that is where Malcolm Brogdon comes in and spares him. He spares him of that. So. I can see the kid having some growing pains, especially on the defensive side. If he can't get, you know, off of switches real quick, Malcolm Brogdon comes in and helps him with that. So I actually like the two trades that the Portland has made. I, my, 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 so my dad was like, oh, I don't see Phoenix winning the championship because they just traded DeAndre Ayton. And I'm like, no, that's a good thing. Because nobody in Phoenix liked DeAndre Ayton like that. After a while, I, and this is what I've always felt now that I'm on my show and I can say this shit. Phoenix fucked up by giving DeAndre Aiden a contract last year. They fucked up. They should have never gave him the deal. They should have never gave him the contract. If he was going to walk, I think he was going to, I think they were trying to, I think Washington was trying to sign him. I can't remember. Washington or Indiana was trying to sign him to a deal. And the Phoenix Suns had like a like a 48-hour period to like, to like um, sign him and bring him back. And they literally did it at the last minute. It was like, all right, we'll bring him back. And then the whole year, they didn't have any, like, they couldn't fix it. Kevin Durant, they didn't have enough space on the floor. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, they didn't have enough space on the floor. Now that you're going into this new way of thinking, this new way of moving, which I am assuming Kevin Durant's going to be more of a forward, which I mean, what I mean by forward is he's not going to be a three. He's going to be a three and a four, depending on what they do, small ball lineup, possibly. So with that being said, now you got depth, you got some shooting, you got some ability to move on the court. I think Grayson Allen, who has been uh, a problem child for most of his career, dating back to even when he was at Duke. I expect uh, Phoenix to be good this season. But getting rid of DeAndre Ayton was a very important thing. I think you should have gotten rid of DeAndre Ayton out that building because I don't think DeAndre Ayton fit that team. As much as people want to sit and act like he did, he didn't. Phoenix fucked up, and I think they recre- I think they corrected what the fuck they did last year. They should have never signed him to that deal. They should have let him walk freely. Instead, they were like, nah, let's run it back one more time and see what happens, and then they fucked their whole situation up. So, And another thing is I think you should have traded him in the Kevin Durant trade and kept either Cam Johnson or Malcolm, uh, 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 um, Malik Bridges. I thought you should have kept one of them and traded DeAndre Ayton. But instead, you traded them two, which was your main pieces on your bench. You could have kept one of those guys, and maybe Phoenix doesn't have the season that they had last year. So I think that that was a trade. Anyway, going into the Boston situation, Boston now has Drew Holiday, which – is a great fucking pickup. I'm not even gonna sit there and lie, man. Um, 
Drew Holiday going to Boston. I actually think Boston is more of the, the team to beat now in the East than, than Milwaukee is. Because unlike Milwaukee, who's getting a true number one caliber player like Dame Litter, this is the reason why a lot of these teams don't work that get these star players because you're bringing number one options together. And that's why it takes so long to gel because it's like, I used to be a scorer. I'm the number one option in Portland. Now I'm coming to Milwaukee and Giannis is the number one option. Is Giannis going to defer to Dame? He might. He may do that. But we also don't know what the fuck Giannis is going to do because Giannis has never really played with another number one option. Let's not get this shit twisted. As much as I fuck with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, did you really think them dudes is number one fucking options when Giannis rose to the top? Fuck no. These guys are two and threes. Now you have a true number one option in Dame Litter. Will Giannis take a back seat? Will Dame take a back seat? Who's going to take the back seat? That is why it takes so long to mesh with these young, with these star teams. If you don't believe me, look at the Lakers. <laughs> if you don't believe me, LeBron had to say today, in a, what, yesterday in a press conference, like, this is Anthony Davis' team now. Until we get to the season and then you niggas are losing because you said this is Anthony Davis' team and Anthony Davis ain't on court. So is it really Anthony Davis' team or is it still LeBron's team? And that's the thing. When you have a number one option playing with another number one option, it's a very hard thing to sell. So that is why I feel like Boston is actually the team in front because as much as we sit here and we act like it, Drew Holiday knows his role. He knows who he is. He knows what he has to do. He's a defensive player of the year candidate every damn year. And now you go to a Boston team that has nothing but defensive credit. They love this. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, even Chris Daspazingas. Excuse me. You have that. And now you add a Drew Holiday who has a championship ring, who can motivate Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because he just came from a team with Giannis. So he knows how good these guys are because he had to play them in the playoffs for the last couple of years. He knows how difficult it is to guard these guys. Now he's in practice telling them, hey, man, nobody can check you. Get them motherfuckers. Let's go. That's something that they haven't had. They don't have enough. That they, They've not had a guy that can literally do what Drew Holiday can do for Boston, which is motivate them. He's a true veteran that has won a championship ring that you can listen to, and you know he's actually telling you the truth when he says it. And that's the thing. I think he's a way better replacement for what Marcus Smart was supposed – what Marcus Smart has been. I love Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart going to Memphis is going to be way better for him because Memphis needs uh, – let's be real. John Morant needs a veteran. He needs somebody that ain't going to play with him, but also somebody that has been in his shoes. People forget Marcus Smart at Oklahoma State was that dude, was that fucking dude. And then he got in the crowd and punched the fan. <laughs> he punched the fan at a game. And people forget this shit. He punched him or he pushed him some shit. And he got suspended. He got suspended off the team. And, and it, was so, it was so crazy that they didn't even know when he got in the draft. That's why he fell. Because he was that dude in Oklahoma State. He was that fucking dude. And then he got, like, suspended because of that fan incident. Got suspended for the entire year. Didn't even play the rest of the year. Got into the draft, and nobody knew what he was really going to be. And funny as it is, the Lakers could have drafted him. 
And then the Lakers was like the next pick after Boston or some shit. The Boston dropped on that like seven. Lakers was like eight. But yeah, that year in that draft, I remember that. So yeah, but um, Drew Holiday now going to Boston is actually a good thing for Boston. They needed a veteran presence, a guy that they could trust, a guy that and when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are arguing over who can take the ball, who needs the ball, who, Drew Holiday can actually do that. And on top of that, He's actually a defensive player that can also defend. He's a defensive player that can also score, I should say. And that's something that you need. He's a he's damn near a double-double guy every night. And he, like I said, he's a defensive player of the year candidate every damn season. And now you're going to have him in the same conference as Dame Lillard, who, by the way, last time Dame and him played in the playoffs, my Pelican swept him. <laughs> like my Pelicans swept Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum because of how great of defense Drew Holiday and Ray J. Rondo played on them dudes. They shut their ass down for four games straight. Dame and couldn't do shit. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to all play out. I'm looking super forward to it. Now, my thing with also with the NBA is that we also said this this morning is what is Philly now? Philly's fucked. Philly is so done, man. I am not. I'm going to be honest with everybody right now, man, because this is really how I feel about Philly. Philly should have traded Drew Holiday the moment Drew Holiday said, I want it out. I mean, not Drew Holiday, James Harden. As soon as James Harden said he wanted out, you should have traded James Harden. James Harden can't do shit for you. He can't do a damn thing for you now. I know people are going to say, and say, well, he was just in the wrong system. Doc Rivers wanted him to be a facilitator. Doc Rivers saw what his capabilities are. Now. Not then. Now. And I don't think he's ready for that. I don't think he's ready to be that guy. And James Harden should have got traded. Now, his feelings is, I want to go to the Clippers. A couple months ago, you want to go to the Rockets. Now you want to go to the Clippers. I don't think, and I don't think it's really a I don't think it's because the Clippers – I don't think Philly – it's not because Philly doesn't want to trade you to the Clippers. I don't think the Clippers want you. I don't think the Clippers have a real reason to get you. What is the reason for the Clippers to go get you? We already got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George injured ass. We don't need you two. Russell Westbrook is also back in the Clippers. And Russell uh, Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden didn't like each other when they were in Houston together. So why the fuck are we going to go get you again and make this happen again? James Harden should go get traded. I, I really do feel like this, man. James Harden should go to a team that actually wants him. Now, where is that team? Me personally, I would trade James Harden to Chicago. I'd trade James Harden to Chicago um, for Zach Levine. I'll see if you can flip him. I know Zach just signed this massive deal and he did all that, and that's whatever. But I can easily see, you know, James Harden in Chicago because Lonzo is not there. James can go there and do his 30 points tonight if he still got it in him. He could still go there. And Zach Levine go to Philly and immediately be somebody that doesn't have to do a lot. He just has to score. We got to, uh, uh, Terrence Maxey, Tobias Harris, which, by the way, I would trade also Tobias Harris. I get him the fuck out of Philly, too. Um... But, yeah, I would trade James Harden to Chicago. I would trade James Harden to Chicago, personally. And, hell, if you don't want to even – if Chicago's not going to give you Zach Levine, give me Kobe White. 
Give me Kobe White. Give me Alex Caruso. Give me somebody because I can't deal with James Harden being on this team with us anymore. And Philly is doing something that Philly should have never – Philly has put themselves in such a position where I think Philly is fucking themselves and they can't get out of it. You have officially made Joel and B waste. Waste his prime. You're, wa- you're making Joel and B waste his prime because y'all are continuously picking people that don't fit the fucking team. This is how fucking stupid Philly is. James Harden, James Harden wants to, um, James Harden wants to get traded, but y'all can't trade him because nobody really wants him. Okay, but James, you gotta sit on the bench, or you gotta sit at home. We'll still pay you, but you gotta sit at home. Watch how fast Philly is competitive because of Terrence, Tyrese Maxey. I think Tyrese Maxey is the best one-two punch for Joel and B that they could have asked for. But the problem with that is, is that y'all hung up on James Harden. And it's people that's going to tell y'all, that's just wrong with James Harden. That's bullshit. I would bring in Tyrese. I would let Tyrese Maxey be my one, one-two punch with Joel and B because they fucking fit each other. They work. And like I said, I still trade Tobias Harris. And I trade Tobias Harris because Tobias Harris making too much money to not do shit. That's a problem for me. I would trade Tobias Harris. I would call up maybe. Mm, I call up maybe OKC. I call up somebody Minnesota. I would call up somebody see if we could make a deal and get some some depth in Philly. But yeah, I would get James Harden the fuck out the Philadelphia Seventy uh, Sixers building. And to be honest with you, man. Yeah, I I I get James Harden out of there. I I, I would trade James Harden to Chicago. And try to see if I can get something back, like a Zach Levine. Zach Levine is like the high bar. Or Toronto. I trade in Toronto and see if I get OG Ananobi and um and some picks. That's what I would do personally. So yeah. Um now let's get into it. Football is officially uh over and coming back. It's like it's like a swinging door. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But um this past week, uh, a lot of good games came on. Uh, Colorado almost beat USC. I mean, I feel like if Colorado would have actually had a little bit more time, they probably would have beat USC. Um, LSU lost to Ole Miss, which uh, <sighs> um. Notre Dame beat Duke, you know, games like that. Um, well, this upcoming week, week six of college football, this shit is moving by fast. This is a motherfucker, ain't it? Um, so, again, like I do every week for college football, I give you four games that I'm looking super forward to seeing, uh, and I break it down as my skeptical, my most interesting game, my game of the week, and, of course, my upset of the week for college football. Here it is. So, Let's get into it. My skeptical game of the weekend for week six of college football is my LSU Tigers going to Missouri this Saturday. Um, LSU, like I said, lost to Ole Miss, fell to 21st in the polls, while Missouri jumps to 23. Oh, no, Missouri jumps to 21, LSU fell to 23 
in the polls. I'm sorry about that. But LSU goes to Missouri. I think this might be our second time since Missouri been in the SEC, and it's over a decade that we've been to Missouri, I think. Um, Missouri is pretty good. They're 5-0. LSU is now 3-2. and two. Uh, I got to do the purple and bleed purple and gold episode uh, this weekend for this. Uh, but this is definitely my skeptical game of the week because LSU is such a, I don't know. The defense sucks. If you listen to any of those episodes, I do purple and gold on all podcast platforms, my YouTube channel. It's still under the brand new show, so you can just go listen to it. But LSU can score with the best of them. They just can't stop no fucking body. And like I said, this offense is just like the Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase offense. We just don't have that. Well, that defense even was a little shaky. But the difference is that defense could create turnovers when you needed them to. And they could create opportunities when you needed them to. I can't say that shit at all about this defense. This defense is terrible. Missouri being at home, 5-0, finally in a post. I could easily see Missouri beating us. But I could also see us beating Missouri. <laughs> I don't know who wins this game. I'll be honest. I don't know. This is why it's a skeptical game. Because if Missouri wins this game, LSU is pretty much done with the conversation of college playoffs. And to be honest with you, it's time to pack it up and go the fuck home. If they win, what does it really change in the senses of where are we going now from this game? Yes, we beat an undefeated Missouri team, but how many people actually thought Missouri was fucking good before this season even started? Does this now motivate us to get better? I mean, listen, like I said, we lost to Florida State, and we played Grambling State the next week. We scored 72 points. We played Mississippi State the week after that and dominated them. But then we play Ole Miss and got our ass whooped. So, and Arkansas, who also just ran up and down the field on us. The problem with LSU is that we start very fucking sluggish. We start in the Ole Miss game very fucking sluggish. This is what I kept saying about that game. You cannot start sluggish against these SEC teams. SEC teams, because especially in Ole Miss, in Ole Miss, that is not a good idea. Do not start sluggish. And they did. Even though we came back, got in the front of the league, our offense could just ne- – when we needed to make the play, we couldn't. And guess what? When our defense got on the field, holy shit, we couldn't stop anyone. So it was just a really bad game. Uh, I don't know – like I said, Missouri versus us. Uh, I can easily see Missouri winning this game. I can easily see them. I can easily see Missouri winning this game. But I can also see us winning this game. And I don't know really what's going to happen. That's why it's a skeptical game because I don't know who the fuck is going to win. We look like we could win. Well, who the fuck knows? <laughs> who the fuck knows? Um, my most interesting game going into week six of the college football season is Oklahoma versus Texas. The Red River rivalry the last couple of years has been kind of a toss-up. It is always a toss-up between these two. Next year, they'll be in the SEC doing this game. Um, that's one thing, but this is kind of the last Big 12 time, Oklahoma versus Texas, um, and Dallas. I, to be honest, I don't know who wins. I'm going to be really, really, really honest with you. I don't know who wins. Um, I do know this. I know this. This is going to be a hell of a game because both teams are in the top. 
15. Oklahoma, I think, is 11. Texas is 3. Texas last week kind of said against Kansas. Kansas didn't play without their, play without their quarterback. So if I knew that they were going to actually miss their fucking quarterback, I probably would have never, like, made that a kind of like an upset uh, game like that. But this game is going to be a little bit more intriguing. Oklahoma versus Texas. I think Oklahoma. This is, like I said, such a toss-up because we think the team that we – it's, they come in and we like, oh, they're going to beat them. And then they come in and get their ass whooped. We don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win this game. That's why it's the most interesting game to me. But I expect Oklahoma to actually win this game. And I'll tell you why. I don't think Texas has a good defense. I've seen Texas play a couple times now. And I know people are going to sit here and say, well, they played Kansas and they beat Kansas. Kansas didn't have their number one, they, Kansas didn't have their number one offensive weapon on the field, which is their quarterback. And, yeah, Texas beat Kansas, but this isn't Kansas. This is Oklahoma. And I feel like at the end of the day, Oklahoma could get Texas because this is the first time that Texas actually ranked higher than Oklahoma coming into this game. So this is going to be a pretty intriguing situation, to say the least. And I'm looking forward to this game. Like I said, it's always a, it's always a you don't know. It's always a pick em, especially the last couple of years. It's always a pick em, and you don't know, especially like I said with the with Texas being now the higher the higher ranked team. Texas is due for a letdown, and I think Oklahoma could get them. So I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, going into my upset game of the week. Speaking of teams and games that literally again you just don't know. Alabama going to Texas A&M. Both teams have lost. Both teams have been rolling since their losses. Well, I can't say rolling, but but Alabama always goes to Texas A&M, and they always struggle at College Station. They fucking struggle. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the 12th man. I don't fucking know, but they struggle, especially on Saturday nights against Texas A&M. They struggle. Max Johnson. Is not a quarterback at Texas A&M after their starting quarterback got injured. He's out for the year. Um, Alabama, like I said, the last couple of games, I mean, they came back against Ole Miss, beat Ole Miss. They played Mississippi State, beat Mississippi State, which is not saying a lot. But Texas A&M uh, played last week against uh, – Texas A&M <laughs> I know they played Auburn the week before, and then they played Arkansas the week uh, last week. So they played Arkansas last week in, in uh, Dallas. Um – but like I said, Alabama struggles, especially Nick Saban. He struggles in Texas A&M. He cannot figure this situation out. He's he struggled like when Texas A&M had Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans. That's like a decade ago. Like they have not been. He has not been good against Texas A&M for years, especially in Texas A&M. And Alabama's due for a letdown, and they're due for a game where you just go into the SEC and you're just like, what the fuck. And the best thing for LSU is that if Alabama can actually lose to Texas A&M, that might save LSU a little bit. Because looking at LSU's two games that they lost, compared to Alabama's two games that they lost, you're like, okay, I guess. But And then when they play each other in Alabama, LSU could beat them. So I don't know. But this game is such a tricky fucking game for Alabama. They always go to Texas A&M, and they struggle. They fucking struggle. So... Now that we're back in College Station, Texas A&M, they're feeling it. They're getting their rhythm back after losing to Miami. 
I can definitely see Alabama struggling in this game and losing to Texas A&M in this game. That is why it's my upset of the week. Which goes into the game of the week for college football this weekend for me. Week six, a battle of undefeateds. Kentucky going to Georgia. Kentucky is another one of those SEC teams that have just jumped up in the polls, dominated Florida. Oh, my God. Kentucky is now 20th in the league in the in the country. Georgia, of course, is sitting at the number one spot. Georgia has struggled this year. If you have actually watched Georgia, they have not been good. South Carolina, uh, two weeks ago, uh, last week, uh, Georgia played uh, – fuck, who did Georgia play? And they struggled last week against against them. So, I can't, I can't remember who Georgia played last week. Y'all probably remember who Georgia played. But Georgia played last week, and they struggled in that game. So, Georgia's not great this year. They're good. They can win you games, but they're not. Oh, Tennessee. I think they played Tennessee last week. Um, No, no, no. Who the fuck, who the fuck did Georgia play? Because they, they had a – it was a late game. It was like a – like they needed a damn touchdown to save the fucking game. I know it wasn't Tennessee, and I know it wasn't South Carolina. It was some fucking body. I can't fucking remember, but it was somebody. And they needed a touchdown late in that game to, like, even just pull it out. Kentucky cannot throw the ball, and that's a problem. But I think Kentucky, if you can actually stop Georgia's offense, which it's not saying a lot, which is just literally a tight end running backs, which has always been. And I know people are going to sit there and say when this comes out, but it ain't stopped in the last couple of years. Georgia's defense usually bails them out of games. I don't think Georgia's defense is that good this year. Kentucky, if they can control this game through the trenches, which is going to be hard. I'm not going to sit and act like it's not going to be. But if they can control the game through the trenches on both sides of the ball, Kentucky could beat Georgia. Kentucky could beat Georgia. And I I, I, I don't know how – they might need that quarterback to make a couple of throws, just like Georgia always needs that quarterback just to make a couple of throws. But Kentucky could beat Georgia. And then we will have a completely different fucking conversation if Kentucky beats Georgia because the polls, they're about to do the, uh, they're about to start doing the polls for the college playoffs and I think in like a week or so, maybe like not this week, but maybe next week is about to be the polls. The first, the first uh, four that's about to be selected. And if Kentucky somehow somewhere beats Georgia, what the fuck do you think? Alabama, LSU, all of them will have the loss on their record. What the fuck is going on? So, yeah, I think uh, Kentucky could definitely beat Georgia, go into Georgia and beat them. But this is definitely a game of the week because I think Kentucky could actually pull off the upset. But I could also see Georgia beating the living shit out of Kentucky just to prove to everybody, you thought these motherfuckers were good? <laughs> so there's definitely a game of the week. I'm looking super forward to it, and I cannot wait, man. Getting into it now, football, NFL football, I should say. Uh, week five, uh, week four was just this past week. A lot of crazy shit going on. A lot of games that I expected to kind of be, mm, I don't know, and of course games that I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, one team I got to definitely give some shout-out to, man, is the Arizona Cardinals. Listen, I am just like everybody else. Arizona, what the fuck was this? I did not expect Arizona to be this good. I didn't. I'm not even going to sit here and act like I did. I know people are going to say, like, Arizona's good. Arizona's pretty fucking decent compared to what the fuck we actually really thought they would be. They are really fucking good. Now, I don't expect them to be this great the entire fucking season. But it feels like they're playing for their head coach, which I've said they're going to probably play for their head coach this year. 
I have to give Arizona so much credit for what they have accomplished in these first four games. It's not a lot. They only won a game. I get it. But from the Washington game, who, by the way, Washington's offense is actually really fucking good. And they just let them, and they only scored 20 points against that Arizona defense. To the Giants game, which I really do think Arizona's like, ooh, we about to win this game. We need to forfeit this bitch. We need to give up this, this lead. To the Dallas game, where they just absolutely outplayed Dallas. They just flat out outplayed them dudes. And even in the San Francisco game this past weekend, where Christian McCaffrey, they needed all of four touchdowns for Christian McCaffrey because Arizona was on that ass. And this week, they played the Cincinnati Bengals. And to be honest with you, I don't know. I had to do, I had to write down some of my stuff today for my pick'em. That was a hard game to pick. I'm not even gonna lie, because Cincinnati's going in a completely opposite way than Arizona is. And it's it's a completely different thing. So I gotta give my love I gotta give love to the, the Arizona Cardinals, man. That motherfucker's playing, man. Josh Dobbs, who Joshua Dobbs who wasn't even in the league, <laughs> was on the Cleveland Browns, but we all knew he probably wasn't gonna play. And he was gonna probably go out of the league in the next couple of weeks for the final cuts of trade for the final cuts. It just ends up – then he ends up in Arizona, and now he's balling. So, you know, I don't think it's going to last forever. I think they're eventually going to come back to the means. But, hey, man, for what they are, one and three, the way they have played – come on, man. We've seen teams this season that look like they have no hope. They ain't got a chance at fucking hell. The Arizona Cardinals remind me of the Houston Texans of last year, a team that believes in their head coach and believes what they're being sold and being sold and what they have. And I think that that is something that we don't give a lot of credit to. A team that has a head coach that has nothing. And you really aren't really playing for anything. But for a team like Arizona, like the Texans last year with Lovey Smith, they trust their fucking team and they trust their head coach. And for that alone, I got to give Arizona a lot of credit. Now, let's get into it, man. My week, my big four of the NFL season. Excuse me, hold on. At a sneeze. I'm sorry. Um, uh, my big four for the NFL season coming out of week four going into week five. Um, and this is my big four of the NFL season. Like I said last week, this is the first, this is my second time doing this. So here it is. So move some stuff around, put some people in, piece some people out. Um, at number one, my number one team, what a bullet, is the 4-0 Eagles. Yes, the 4-0 Eagles uh, beating the Washington Commanders uh, this past week in overtime. Like I said, very drawn-out game. Washington's offense is pretty fucking good with Eric Bieniemy. Um, Then you add to the fact that, you know, you add to the fact that um, the Eagles' front four is still fucking good and relevant. Um, but they won. Uh, they play this weekend against the Los Angeles Rams in LA. Um, I think the Eagles are great, especially when you have a play in the offense that everybody's now trying to mimic, and they can't even fucking do it. I've seen the Chargers do it two weeks straight now. I've seen the Giants last night try to do it. You know this uh this uh, uh Philly push or whatever the fuck the the brotherly the brotherly push a brotherly shove. Whatever the fuck they call that shit with Jalen Hurts is on the center and they just move and they move the pile. What people are now understanding is Philly's got a really great fucking offensive line. And that offensive line is really fucking good. Which means 
they can really do that shit. And on top of that, Jetta Hurts bench presses like 600 fucking pounds. I'm pretty sure he can handle that shit. A lot of these fucking quarterbacks ain't that. <laughs> they ain't that fucking athletic and they ain't that damn strong. So, yeah, I just I just think it's a stupid thing. But Philly, to me, is the number one team, man. I, I, I'm watching them this year, man. I'm like, they still got shit they got to correct. They got some shit they got to fix. But, man, let's be real for a second. Out of the undefeated teams that are still, which is them in San Francisco, if they play right now, I would take San Francisco. I would take the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's not even fucking close. If they were to play Dallas right now, I would take the Philadelphia Eagles. If they played any team that somebody would sit here and scream is great, I would take the Eagles. They're my best. I think they are the best team in the league. I think what they have accomplished in the first four weeks, without having everything go their way, sometimes. It's still fucking good. And by the way, DeAndre Swift being in Philly, being the Eagles running back is a completely massive upgrade over Miles Sanders. Yeah, I said that shit. He's a massive upgrade over Miles Sanders. So I think Philly is the best team in the league by far. Coming in at number two to me over the first four weeks of the NFL season, my big four number two team is the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo coming off of a massive ass whooping of the Miami Dolphins. Beat them by 28 points after Miami comes off of this 70, this 50 point game that they beat the Denver Broncos. But I thought Buffalo, uh, I said it last week to my brother Juan. I said it again. Buffalo was going to beat Miami. I didn't see Miami really beating Buffalo like that. At all, um, I saw Buffalo beat Miami. Um, Buffalo since week one, uh, the shock of week one, them losing to the Jets and a what a punt return in overtime. They have changed this uh, strategy. Whatever the fuck it's been, it's been great. Um, Josh Allen uh, is playing like a uh, is playing like a like a MVP candidate. Stephon Diggs is showing the fuck up. Maybe they have gotten rid of whatever the, the stench was of the playoff game between those two. Or maybe they just haven't played anybody good yet. This <laughs> like, like, I know people are going to sit and say, but they play Miami. Miami's really good. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Miami's defense is not that fucking good. They haven't really played a complete team yet. And maybe that is the thing, and maybe that's the reason. But I don't, I don't. I'm not sitting here trying to shit on Miami or even Buffalo. I'm I'm just saying, like, for the first four weeks of the season, Buffalo has actually been the better team since every week. Like, every week since week one, they've actually improved the most out of all of the teams. You know, from them playing against Jets, like I said, losing in a punt return to the Jets, to dominating the Raiders dominating the uh, the Commanders, and dominating the uh, Miami Dolphins. Those are three great teams. That, well, I can't say three great teams, but those are three amazing wins. The way they have dominated them. They, the Raiders scored 10 points. Washington scored three. Miami scored 20. Like, that's a pretty good – and here's the crazy fucking part. They had, they didn't even have Jordan Poirier, who's their best, their best secondary player. Tredavious White now is out for the year, which we got to see how that's going to look. And now they also, and now they're about to add Von Miller to that defense. So 
I don't know what the secondary is going to look like without John Poyer in Tadavious White, but you also add a Von Miller who can get to the passer. So maybe the fucking secondary might not need that much help, but we shall see. But they are number two for me personally. And this week, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, which that's going to be a dub. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be a fucking dub. I'm not even gonna sit in and act like it's not gonna be. It's gonna be a fucking dub. Um, which brings me to my third best team. To me, my big four, my third best team is the Detroit Lions. They're three and one coming into week uh, five. Detroit Lions are three and one. Um, they're adding Jamison Williams back after his suspension from the um gambling situation, whatever the fuck that means, um, yeah, listen, my personal feelings towards this situation is very simple, and I'll tell anybody this, Detroit's been one of my favorite teams from preseason, thought Detroit was a good team from preseason, me and my brother Wine, when we did our, our prediction, I actually had Detroit winning the NFC North, like he did, the NFC North to me is Detroit and Detroit's only. And then they go into Green Bay Thursday night and absolutely romps them, beats them. And to be honest with you, there is no other competition in NFC North outside of Green Bay. And Green Bay looked like they were completely overwhelmed with Detroit. They couldn't stop the run. They damn sure couldn't stop the pass. Detroit's a really good fucking team. And I think Detroit, um, with that being said, may be the second best team in the NFC. I know you people are going to say it, think I'm crazy because you got San Francisco who's undefeated and Dallas is 3-1 as well. But what I mean by top to fucking bottom, Detroit's the best team, the second best team in the NFC to me. I think Detroit's the second best team in the NFC. If you actually have watched their games, the Kansas City game, the Seattle game was was just a, was a defensive blunder. They could not stop Seattle. Which, now looking at it, not that damn surprising. Seattle's a really good fucking team. They just had a really shitty week one. Um, which, by the way, Seattle's very close to making this list. But, you know, but they also went in that game and scored 31 fucking points on that Seattle defense who had 11 sacks last night. Shit happens. So, and then you look at the two games after that Seattle game. They played against uh, Atlanta and dominated Atlanta. I know they scored only 20 points, but that was a dominant game by the defense. And then the Green Bay game, John Love looked so out of it. Like, he just didn't look like he had any idea what the fuck was coming. And that's how you're supposed to win. And this week, they're at home against an 0-4 Carolina Panthers team who has a rookie quarterback that looked like he's more – he looks like he's exactly what I expected Bryce Young to be with the Carolina Panthers, a team that is – Got a short quarterback, a small quarterback that doesn't have an offensive weapon that can help him because the offensive line is not strong enough to stand up to to defend for him, to keep him upright. And on top of that, you don't have the receivers yet to help him. And the running game is not that great because Miles Sanders, for most of his time in Philly, outside of last year, take last year out the, out the equation, Miles Sanders has not been good as a running back in the NFL. Take last year out the equation. Miles Sanders has not had a great productive NFL career outside of last year. So, good fucking luck, Carolina. And here's the fucked up part about all of this. Carolina's defense 
which was supposed to be the strong suit, the strong part of this whole team, hasn't been great. And JC Horn is not in that secondary. So I don't know who the fuck gonna stop. <laughs> I'm a Ross St. Brown. I have no idea who's gonna stop him. And now you add Jamison Williams back into that offense with his speed. Like that is a that's a dangerous thing. And that offensive line is getting healthy. So and that defense is gonna have a, a, a Aiden Hutchinson is gonna have a field day with that Carolina offensive line. I think Detroit is the best team, the second best team in the NFC. Yeah, I said that shit. And my fourth best team that I've seen this season for right to me is the Baltimore Ravens, the three and one Baltimore Ravens. Now, yes, I get it. Baltimore went in to um, Cleveland before the game. Deshaun Watson got injured. So we didn't know Deshaun Watson was going to get not playing that game. We clearly did not even know that. That's one thing. But Baltimore is pretty fucking good. Man, Baltimore's been pretty good. Week one against Houston, they struggled. But now we know Houston's really fucking good. Like, like we know Houston's really fucking good. So, yeah, week one, they struggled. Week two, um, what are they playing week two? They kind of dominated week two. Did a pretty good job in week two. Uh, oh, they played Cincinnati. And they and they beat Cincinnati. And it was supposed to be Cincinnati. And then week three, it was raining. Is against the Colts. The Colts didn't have their, uh, their quarterback. They didn't know what the fuck Gardner Minshew was going to be. And the Colts just beat them. And then last week, they played Cleveland. And they did exactly what they were supposed to do. And they routed their asses. Routed the shit out of Cleveland. Beat the living hell out of Cleveland. Which they were supposed to fucking do. And now this week, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Boy, tell me you, the first three games of the first yeah, first three games of the the first five games of three of the first five games of the Baltimore Ravens season has been divisional. Cincinnati, Cleveland, and now Pittsburgh. They can literally go three and zero in divisional play before they even look up. And Pittsburgh's offense ain't great. Kenny Pickett, we don't know if he's gonna be even able to play, and if he does play. How good is he going to be? Because that offensive line has sucked. And now you at, you put him in the game against that Baltimore defense? Good fucking luck. Lamar Jackson is now torching him. And here's how fucked up this is. He hasn't had Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman for the last two games. And he like, fuck that shit. Lamar <laughs> Jackson like, fuck that shit. <laughs> I got Zay Flowers. I'm good. <laughs> I got Zay Flowers. I'm good. <laughs> I got Zay Flowers. I'm good. Like, it's like, and he hasn't had a running back. Like, this is the craziest part. Like, Baltimore, Baltimore, yo, this is so fucking crazy. Like, I just realized this shit. I'm like, he hasn't had Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman in the last couple games. And he hasn't had a running back, a real true number one running back since week one. And Baltimore is better, better than every team in the AFC North. That is crazy. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, but that is my top four. That is my big That is my big four of the NFL. That is my big four of the NFL. Eagles, Buffalo, Detroit, and um, Baltimore. And, yes, I think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. I think Baltimore is the second best team in the AFC. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. And I think Detroit is the second best team in the NFC. That's why they're in my big four.
And by the way, I would love to see these two, all four of these teams play each other in the conference championship game. So that'd be awesome. Now, before I close out this in a, this this I bleed sports uh, episode, I gotta do my levels of warning. My levels of warning coming into week five of the NFL season. Now, you know, I've been doing this for the last couple episodes where I, you know, I just talked about all the good. Let's get into some real shitty, <laughs> really bad teams. Some teams I'm, I'm very, very like, uh, shit. This season, it could turn, you could turn it around. Or I could go completely down the fucking drain. So let's get into it, man. Uh, So this week, my team in yellow, my team that is in the yellow, which means caution is my New Orleans Saints. I would love to sit here and act like it's not, but it is. New Orleans lost to Tampa Bay. That's one thing. It's a divisional game, but here's my thing. Cam Jordan was talking shit, being like, this ain't no divisional game. I don't, like, we don't look at Tampa Bay. Atlanta is more of a divisional game. We don't take Tampa Bay serious. And then you get your ass whooped 26-9 by Baker fucking Mayfield. And by the way, in the second half, they didn't even have Mike Evans. So, <laughs> so for you to talk shit and then not show up defensively and lose to Baker fucking Mayfield is a terrible thing. I said it on a bleed black and gold episode that I did after the game. Derek Carr's got to take the check downs. I really do hope they actually did go in and talk. This upcoming week, you got the New England Patriots in New England. New England's coming off of a terrible fucking loss. They're going to be motivated to win that game, especially in front of their home crowd. Who they haven't seen in now two weeks because they haven't played in New England since the Sunday night game where they lost to Miami due to a bogus-ass rough call. So, um, but yeah, my team, man, is the Saints, man. You should win this match. You got you should win this game this Sunday. You got Matt Judon out, Christian Gonzalez out. They're saying Matt Judon might have a torn bicep. Christian Gonzalez should be injured and out. Um, and Mac Jones isn't athletic. He's pretty much a fucking statue in the backfield. And that offensive line has not really been that healthy either this season. So you shitty, and they don't have any receivers that can get open and get coverage open. So you should easily win this game. And by the way, this is the first game that, in a, that the Saints are playing this season. I mean, Ryan Tannehill can move a little bit. But this is the, the second game, I guess, if you want to say it like that, the second game this season where there's a quarterback in the backfield that can't really move that much. So you should easily win this game. You should win this game. But again, this is why they're in a caution. I don't know how Derek Carr is going to react after this game that he just had against Tampa Bay. Maybe it was a dud. Maybe it was just a game that we just overly thought of. A, like we did too much overthinking. Derek Carr was not supposed to play, and then he does play. I don't know. I don't know what this team is going to be coming into week week five, but that is why they're in my caution because this is where – the season could get away from you. You still have a chance to win a division. Yeah, I know Tampa Bay won. But let's be real. How many of us really actually think Tampa Bay is going to be this great for this long with Baker fucking Mayfield? So you can still win a division. Atlanta is in shambles. They don't have a quarterback. And that defense can only hold up for so much longer before they start to really not trust what the fuck Arthur Smith is doing. And Carolina is a nine-motherfucking factor. So you have a chance right now to turn your season around. It just depends on what the 
fuck you do come this Sunday in the next couple weeks because you got this team, this game in New England, Houston in Houston, which I will be at, and then, of course, the Jags on Thursday night football, and then the Colts after that. So, yeah, you got to win this game, man. You got to win this fucking game this Sunday because it makes more of a difference if you go down – if you are 3-2 and two in division, 3-2 and two with the record, with Tampa Bay on by this week compared to being 2-3 and three and knowing that Tampa Bay was on by and you didn't make any ground. Matter of fact, you lost ground because Atlanta also plays. I forgot who Atlanta plays this week. Uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, you got to win this game. Then my New Orleans Saints is definitely in the fucking caution. This is – that is not good. That is not good at all. My team in orange, which I've now made it the panic time. It's panic time in this city. It's the team I just talked about when I was talking about the powerful, the big four. One of the teams are playing. The Pittsburgh Steelers, man. I love Mike Tomlin so much. Mike Tomlin is one of the greatest head coaches in the NFL. I know people won't say it because I get it. I get why people will say Mike Tomlin. You know, Mike Tomlin isn't because of this. But a lot of people that watch football and know football, you know, Mike Tomlin is one of the greatest goddamn NFL coaches of all time. The man has always had a winning record. He's always found a way to win. He's always found a way to be great. The Steelers are in panic mode. They should be in panic mode. Kenny Pickett, like I said, is injured. The defense can only do so much. Because the offense is not that good. Yes. You should fire Matt Canada. I remember Matt Canada when he was the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers. I wanted to strangle this motherfucking man. I wanted to choke him. This is, by the way, when Matt Canada, when he was the LSU Tigers head offensive coordinator. This is when he had Leonard Fournette, Odell Beckham Jr., and Jarvis fucking Landry on the offense. And we could not score. 17 fucking points. Yeah. It's time to strangle someone. And this is the fucking offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh. That was college. That was college. This is the NFL, bro. And you still can't score over 17 fucking points in the NFL. Like, that was college. This is supposed to be tougher. And it is tough because he can't do it even in the NFL. Fire this man. <laughs> Fire him. Get a new office coordinator. Get something. Get something. But it is damn sure panic time. And if you lose to the Baltimore Ravens, now you're a 1-4. If Cincinnati somehow, someway can turn it around, you are now behind Cincinnati and Cleveland, which, by the way, I had Cleveland making the playoffs this year. I had Pittsburgh making the playoffs this year. But with that offense, looking the way it is, I don't think they going any fucking way. Now Kenny Pickett, like I said, is injured. And Najee Harris is starting to become Ezekiel Elliott and uh, and Jalen Warren. And, and Jalen Warren is starting to become Tony Pollard. That offense moves better with him in the fucking lineup. And you can all see it. So, Pittsburgh is definitely time for a panic. It is panic time in Pittsburgh. They are damn sure I'm out in the orange. And bringing me all the way to the last team, which is the red which is DOA, dead on arrival. 
I had the Giants, but I'm not going to Giants because I'm going a team that my team is playing this week, which is the Patriots. The Patriots is my DOA team. The Patriots season could end this Sunday. They could go one and four, which for the Patriots is past panic. (laughs) It's past panic and straight to what the fuck is going on. It is like fire time. Like it is that. I thought the Patriots would be way better than what they are. And maybe if that game in, in Philly, in that game, like I said earlier about the Miami game, maybe if the Miami game goes that a different way, maybe if the if the refs do call the offense alignment over the line and it's actually a first down, maybe Miami score, maybe New England scores on Miami, they go into overtime, New England wins that game, and all, and the season completely different, and they're maybe two and two now. But this game, and maybe the receiver catches the ball in the first week, and the receiver's actually in bounds, catches the ball, and New England goes and scores. Maybe they're three and one. But this game, this New England Saints game, the Patriots Saints game is very intriguing for both teams because both teams have a lot on the line at week five of the NFL season. The Patriots season can literally be over with by the end of this week. Whereas for the you know, New Orleans for the New Orleans Saints, like I said, their season could be either, you know, very in a very turmoil situation. This is a very bad time for either or of these teams, but more importantly for the Patriots. You have to now start to think, what the fuck do we do if we lose, if we go down one four one to four? Like if we win one game and lose four, does this now mean does this now mean, personally, does this now mean that we need to start looking into Mac Jones being the future? Because if not, we might need to tank. And if you're Bill Belichick, do you tank? Like, do you actually say, fuck it, let's just tank, give me a better quarterback, give me a more advanced quarterback? If we could get into, you know, if. You know, we could get into the top, uh, the top five of of the draft. We can either get, we can get um, a Drake May, uh, 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 Michael Penix, you know, a Jordan Travis. We could get one of these guys. So if that is the case, and that happens, what does that mean for Mike Jones? So, yeah. So the Patriots are DOA, man. They're in the red, man. They're dead on arrival. If they don't win this Sunday against the Saints, that's more questions to be answered in New England than we ever thought. Is Bill Belichick the guy? Is he ready for that? Can he coach? Well, I would never say he can't coach still. But will he want to coach another team, another quarterback, and try to grow him and make him into something? We don't know, and we shall see. Till then, this has been I Bleed Sports. I am Ryan Janu. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Till then, till next week. Watch the sports this goddamn weekend and enjoy, sons of bitches. Until then.
Peace.